Hello everybody and welcome to today's Skill Collector podcast, which is again on a political topic, namely, what right does the government have to impose rules on you? Now, why is this the second time that I podcast about something political? Well, it's because it's important, it matters, it dominates your daily life. So, think about it for a second. The government, they, they, they impose a lot of rules on you in your daily life. They decide what age you can drink alcohol, whether or not you can drive a car, some things are good, some things are bad. But think for a minute about why they have the right to impose that on you. Take a second. Now, I want to introduce you to a guy called John Stuart Mill. We talked about him in the first uh, politically oriented podcast as well. And he introduced a topic called the harm principle. And the harm, principles mean, harm principle means nothing other than the government or anyone else not being allowed to take away a right unless it is a harm to society. So I am not allowed to restrict your behavior unless you are of harm to the people around you. Now, let's take the example of a cannabis addict, a marijuana addict, a pothead, who's stoned 24-7, he's really annoying to the people around him, smokes like, he smells like weed all the time, bothers people in the street, and you could say this is a reason for the government to prohibit the use of marijuana, which in a lot of the countries is the case. However, what if this behavior is controlled? Let's say I'm Dutch and I can handle my shit. And I use cannabis, for example, and I do that in the privacy of my home at night. Nobody notices, and the next day I go to work and everything's entirely fine. I'm not a harm to society, nor does this behavior transfer to my behavior in the next day. So, what right does the government then have to prohibit someone's behavior? Well, Mill would argue none. Uh, Mill is also one of the people who is very much uh, focusing on what is the truth, and he's of the opinion that if there's conflicting views, they should just be in an intellectual fight, and the truth will always win in such an argument. Now, there's a lot of people who agree, there's a lot of people who disagree. One of the people who disagree, again, nice to sound fancy at a dinner party, is a guy called Hobbes. Now, Hobbes thinks that moral truth is constructed. So, there is no true, there is no... There is no right, there is no wrong. Actually, today we were having a workshop and there was a beautiful beautiful quote uh, saying, beyond the, beyond the world of rights and wrongs, there is a field. Um, I will meet you there. And actually, a, a friend of mine also, it's one of his favorite quotes. He, he, uh, he keeps using it in conversation. Uh, but this is, in essence, what Hobbes is arguing. There is no truth when it comes to morality. Uh, let's take a, a small example. If you burp during slash after a meal in Europe slash the US, it is not really appreciated if you do so. In fact, it's considered rude. However, in a lot of Middle Eastern and Asian countries, it's perfectly alright and often even considered a compliment to the person who cooked the meal that you just ate. Now, this is a very small thing, but it does have to do with morality. It's about what's rude and what's right and what's good social etiquette. Take that a step further, what about the weed example that we talked about? In that sense, truth can be morally constructed just as much. One country might say, well, it's perfectly alright, say the Netherlands, and another country might go, no, it's not alright, and take the war on drugs in the States, though i got to give some credit to California for loosening up a little, and apparently some other states too, but I'm not an expert on this topic.
Um, so yeah, you can take this even further. Let's say you go for murder. Well, there's societies in which murder is perfectly all right under certain circumstances. Whereas under the same circumstances, you were convicted in our societies, which is a basis for what Hobbes is saying, that morality is something socially constructed. There is no right or wrong. It all depends on the context. Anyhow, so back to what right does a government have to impose rules on you? I would like to focus for a second on the fact that the government has a one-size-fits-all policy. Taking, again, the weed example, it would cause a violation of the harm principle. For example, in the case of the pothead, the addict who bothers people by being high all the time, it would be perfectly alright to prohibit his behavior in taking cannabis because he's of harm to society and it would be better if he wouldn't do that. However, if we have a normal law-abiding citizen who loves to smoke a joint at the end of the day to wind down instead of a glass of wine, that would violate the harm principle because he's of no harm to society whatsoever. So, there's a problem. There's nothing wrong or right about the rule, but depending on the context that it's being applied in, it violates or doesn't violate the harm principle. So this one-size-fits-all thing is a bit problematic for, for laws and governance in general. Now, an argument that some people use in this kind of instance is, well, it's just because you don't know what's good for you. And this is something uh, called positive and negative freedom. Now, there's a, there's a philosopher called Berlin. Now, this is not the city. His, his last name is Berlin. And he talks about positive and negative freedom. Now, it has nothing to do with right or wrong freedom. Positive freedom merely means that it's a freedom that is bestowed upon you. Now, that's as an example, the fact that you can go to school because the government built schools. They gave you the freedom to go to school. If they wouldn't do anything, you wouldn't have that freedom because schools wouldn't exist. And this is a rudimentary example. Again, I'm, I'm making things a bit more black and white than they usually are in this kind of conversation. And negative freedom is um, we allow you to breathe. We're not actively stopping you from doing something, meaning we give you the freedom by not interfering. So positive freedom, we actively give you a freedom by acting on something. Negative freedom, we do not stop you do from doing something, thus you have the freedom. And if, if you look around society, it's really interesting. And think for a minute about all the freedoms that you have and whether it's something that is actively given to you or it's simply something that the government or society as in general is not stopping you from doing. Now, one very interesting implication of this is something called a social contract. Often what people say is, well, you know, the reason that the government can tell me not to smoke weed is the fact that they do stuff for me. They build roads, they do the education system, they have police force, there's all this good stuff I'm getting, and in return for that, there are certain laws that I need to navigate within. And that's a, a social contract. I will do this if you provide me that. And it, it's not an officially signed contract. I mean, nobody came up to you saying, here, sign this contract right here. And then you're allowed to participate in our society. But you can look at the relationship between you and the law in, in such a way. It's a contract between the two of you. And there, there's two different views on whether you can break this contract or not. And it is this extends to politics in general, whether or not your support to a government is something you can give once or you can revoke once you disagree with it. A guy called Locke 
L-O-C-K-E, uh, says that people can revoke their support. And this is what happens in revolutions. You know, the government does something you don't agree with. People rally. It's like, no, no, we don't agree and, and we revoke our support. Whereas Hall is of the opinion that it's an irrevocable decision. Once you support a government, then they're allowed to impose rules on you, period. Regardless of that, what, what happens in our society as an unofficial signing of this contract, regardless of whether you can step out or not? A lot of people would argue that it's the fact that you accept the benefits of society. You know, you can't just say, well, I'm not going to stick to the rules, but I will use the economic system, I will use the roads, I will use welfare, I, you know, and, and use all these benefits that the government provides. And people say, you know, you, you use the benefits, so you must navigate within the rules. And here, uh, a guy called Nozick, I never remember for sure how to pronounce this guy's name, Nozick, Nozick, um, he argues that this is actually a forced way of making you sign the contract because the positive freedoms that a government provides are often forced upon you. You have to go to education uh, when you're young. And even on a more rudimentary example, the government provides clean air. Well, not if you're in Beijing, but according to their policies, they'll make sure that you don't die by breathing. This is, I guess, a positive freedom because they're instituting certain policies, meaning that um, pollution is not so bad that you will die from breathing the outside air. So they provide you with that surface. However, when you step into a country, it's rather hard not to breathe the air in there. So accepting something that a, that a government provides, a positive freedom, in return for... Um, for using the rules is, according to Nasik, a forced signed contract, and which, according to normal legal procedures, the contract signed under duress doesn't count. If someone holds a gun to your head and you sign something, it doesn't count. So here you're in a bit of an interesting problem. So back to the fact of the, the discussion whether or not the government can impose rules on you. Well, the one size fits all thing is problematic and the fact that there's a social contract that you haven't been asked about and cannot withdraw from on a practical basis, regardless of whether you agree with Locke or Hobbes when it comes to the philosophical argument whether you can withdraw or not. So, so think, think about it for a second. This social contract that you signed, are you satisfied with it? Would you change something? Personally, what I would argue is that our society should move to a personalized social contract. So I can accept certain freedoms, negative freedoms in this case. The government will not stop me from doing activity X, Y, Z. And in return, I will prove that I'm a citizen who can handle that. And if I violate the law with regard to certain things within that area, then that right will be revoked from me. But this one-size-fits-all schema is, is too much and violates the harm principle for a lot of people. And like we talked about in the first podcast, tyranny of the majority. The majority of people might agree with something, but that highly suppresses large groups of people. Now, in a country with a billion people, fictional country, I know, uh, if 51% uh, agrees, that still leaves 490 million people who are going to be suppressed in a certain decision. Okay, so the, so the argument is rather complex, and, you know, if I had the answer, I would... Well, actually, I wouldn't go into politics. I just just wouldn't go into politics. All I want to say is this with is think about this for a second. 
think about your daily freedoms and restrictions and what rights society slash the government has to impose them on you and what will be a better alternative because you as a person should be thinking about this more because this dominates your life and other people's lives so become conscious of the constraints and the freedoms that societies give you all right enough of the philosophy for one day thank you very much for listening if you enjoyed this podcast subscribe on itunes follow on twitter etc etc and please do share this podcast and thanks very much for the people who have been listening so far. I'm extra surprised how many people uh, people listen to this podcast without promoting it. So thank you very much, and I hope to see you again tomorrow.